Hey everybody, welcome to episode 37 here on What About Therapy. I'm Enoch Fossum and I'm a certified mindfulness life coach. And I'm Austin Ivey and I'm certified in the basics of acceptance and commitment therapy and we're both going to school to be marriage and family therapists. In this episode, we're going to be talking about grief and what you can keep in mind when you are coping with grief and when you're in the thick of it. Let's get right into it. Okay, so the main, I mean, the bulk of this article, all of this episode is going to come from the article, Seven Things to Remember When Dealing with Loss. And again, like always, it'll be linked down below in the description and in the show notes. And so if you want to read a more detailed description of it, I mean, we're going to cover most of it anyway, Mm -hmm. but if you want to read it, then it'll be there for you. Yeah, and I just found this. It was actually for me recently, this is a specific topic that I wanted to do recently. My, the family dog had to get put down family dog of 12 years. Um, so sad. Lucy, the black lab. She was the sweetest little pup. And for, I'm sure for some people it might sound ridiculous, I guess, to be grieving over a dog. But for a lot of people, I'm sure that we could agree with me that having a dog, especially for that long, that. For me, yeah, we got her when I was in eighth grade, and so... It's a family member. Yeah, it was literally a family member. It was just like a sister to me, and um, that's how my relationship with that dog was, is I kind of treated her like a sibling. And um, for my mom, it was like a daughter. And so it was a kind of a difficult past couple weeks being without her, like being at my family, family dinner last night. We go to my parents' house for dinner every Sunday, and she would always greet us at the door and beg for food at the table, and it was just what we did, and she wasn't there for the first time at a family dinner. And it was really weird and kind of sad. And um, it kind of made me want to do an episode like this. And I I was actually reading some articles on grief anyways, and I came across this one. And so if any of you who are listening have lost a loved one recently or any time in your life, either a year ago, 10 years ago, last week, hopefully not, because that, um, that would suck. Um, but if you have, maybe this episode could help you out because it, it really has some great insight on how to cope with the feelings that come with with grief and losing, losing a loved one. Yeah. And some of these may not like work for you the most. They're not saying that all these are going to benefit you and get rid of your grief or help you. Uh, the, the, the whole point of this episode is not to get rid of your grief. This is just what you can do while you're going through it because that that's a necessary part of grief is to actually go through it. Don't Mm -hmm. try and avoid it. Don't try and end it. It's just let it naturally happen. And so what we're going to talk about will be some things to help you do that. And when people think of grief, they naturally think of the, I mean, I guess not naturally, but typically, yeah. most of the time, people think of the five stages of grief, which are denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and acceptance. And we're not going to talk about that really in this episode. Those are different steps that you'll go through mm-hmm. as you go through grief. Uh, but these in particular, what we're going to talk about, these seven things are things that you can do no matter where you're at in the grief process or however you're feeling on a very given day. These are things that you can implement. Yeah. It's in, and they're not like, and they're not it's like a seven step program. It's not a, it's like Enoch said, it's not a way for you to get rid of your feelings because like we've talked before in multiple episodes, nothing about true therapy is about getting ready, getting rid of feelings. Yeah. We're, we're just learning how to cope with them and manage them so we can live a life that we want to live. And it's hard to live the life you want to live when you're grieving. Mm. And so these things again are just steps you can take modalities. You can use helpers. You can 
you can use to help you manage the path of grief. So we can jump right into it. There's seven of them. So let's jump right in uh, with number one here. This one was big for me at least. It's simply, it won't feel like this forever. And again, these all come from the article that will be linked. But a quote from the article on this subject, if it won't feel like this forever, says, part of what people find helpful is riding the wave of grief. Understanding it's coming up, trying to find support, taking care of yourself, and allowing it to go. Mm. So that's that's something that can be hard for people because they want to just get rid of the grief and they because they feel like it's going to last forever instead of allowing it just to come, stay, and go. The natural inclination for a lot of people, and for myself even, is that you want to get rid of it so it doesn't stay, so you don't feel that way forever. But the, the best way to cope with it, the best way to handle it, is to remember that it's not going to last forever, even though it may last for years and may never go away, but you'll be able to handle it better. And again, re-quoting what I just said, understanding it's coming up and trying to find support. So if you feel the the kind of the grief coming on, you're having signals or triggers, um, being aware of it, and then finding support that you need and allowing it to come through without trying to fight it or hide from it. Yeah. I don't think that's kind of like surfing the wave, you know? Yeah, yeah. Now you can ride the wave and you can be drowning while you're riding the wave, mm -hmm. but when you seek out help, do things to take care of yourself, that's as if you're, you know, a pro surfboarder. Yeah. You can, is it surfboarding? Is that the Surf thing? Surfboard, yes. Surf kind of surfing? Weird. Surfing. 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 Surfboarding. Weird. Because you probably mix it with skateboarding or snowboarding, but I think it's just yeah. surfing. It would make sense that it would be surfboarding. It's a board and you're surfing. Same thing, right? It's because it's the same thing. Like It's the similar thing. As... Hmm. Deep thoughts. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> Next episode, we'll talk about yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> surfboarding. When you're surfing, um, you're doing things such as you know taking care of yourself, allowing it to happen, but you're not drowning. You're riding the wave, yes. And again, like Austin said, it can it could last a lifetime. You could have uh, reoccurring episodes of grief throughout your entire life, especially if it's the loss of a loved one that's really close to you, like a, a spouse, a child, parent, really anyone, not really anything in particular that you uh, should get over grief uh, over, about. But when you realize that it won't be like this forever, then it kind of gives you a sense of hope, you know, and realizing yeah. that, okay, I feel like garbage now. I feel really uncomfortable because grief is not very, it's not a comfortable feeling. No one wants to feel grief or to grieve, but it's necessary. And what's interesting about grief, I think, and sadness and going through the emotions is once you're on the other side, you feel better. Mm -hmm. But in the thick of it, you're like, man, this is really uncomfortable. Yeah. I don't like this. But after you cry, after you kind of get through that original bulk, then you do feel better. Yeah. You've released those emotions. And that's the whole point of grief, of grieving, is to release those emotions in a, in a healthy way. And because, I mean, it is healthy. It's normal. It's natural. Yeah. One thing I want to touch on, I love the, the surfing analogy. That was really good. And because when grief comes, it does come in waves. And we're going to talk later that it comes in loops and in a circular pattern. Um, it's always, you're going to be feeling it no matter what. But you could, like Ian said, you could be drowning in it while it's pulling you under, feeling like it's overwhelming. And that is typically when you're just letting the grief overtake you, allowing it to control you. I mean, you could avoid the grief for a short amount of time by 
numbing yourself with alcohol, drugs, food, yeah. um, other avoidant, avoidant behaviors. Or you could just learn the skills to get on a surfboard and the, you're still going to be experiencing the grief, but you might be able to learn from it. And sometimes it might even be, um, I don't want to say enjoyable, but a positive experience to where you yeah. come away from it learning something new. Yeah, or a healthy experience. A healthy experience kind of thing, rather yeah. than a, a traumatic stress like PTSD, our last episode on the What About series, instead of it becoming a PTSD-inducing situation, it can become a, yeah. a huge growth experience for you if you can learn how to to ride the wave and realize that it's a it's going to be a short amount of time you're going to feel like this. Yeah. Surf that wave, man. Surf that grief wave. So number two here is you can't, you can handle it even when you feel like you can't. So direct quote here from the article. It's human's nature to want to avoid painful experiences. When we lose someone important to us, we may feel like we won't be able to cope with the pain of grief. But we only learn about our capacity to handle things by moving through them, says Wendy Lichenthal. Sorry, Wendy. Director of MSK's... um, Which is this, the article? That's That's the organization this article comes from. Cool. So the article goes on to say, when we try to stifle or avoid our feelings, they can come on that much stronger when something triggers them she says making space to experience painful emotions allows us to practice our resilience and grow our own internal resources now what i want to touch on here is the beginning it's it's human's nature to want to avoid painful experiences and that in and of itself can cause problems Mm -hmm. because when we avoid grief because it's it doesn't feel comfortable we get anxious around that feeling of grief and so we try to avoid it but as we've talked about in previous episodes when you try to avoid something when you avoid your emotions they simply get stronger and that's why like things in uh, acceptance and commitment therapy focus on accepting your emotions accepting your feelings and riding the wave going through it rather than avoiding it because they're just going to get worse if you do avoid it and you get caught in that negative feedback loop of oh my gosh i could be you know, feeling um, grief again after years and you get anxious about it. And then there you go. You fall into the grief cycle and then you get anxious about it and you get stressed about it. You get mad at yourself for doing that and feeling those things. And it can just be a a brutal cycle you can fall into. Yeah, because grief itself is a primary emotion. It's something that we can't really control. It's it's going to come without our consent. Especially if you really love someone and care about them or love an animal or something like that, I guess. And you're going to feel that that pain that comes with grief. And it's so healthy, too. And we're going to get into that later of why it's healthy and what it means that it's healthy. Um, But when you you struggle with it and you start to think you can't handle it, that's when the secondary emotions of fear, anxiety, stress, anger, those other things start to come in when you start to struggle with it. When you struggle with the grief and try to avoid it or fight it or contend with it, um, it becomes a struggle. It becomes a tug of war with a normal and healthy feeling. Yeah. And um, that's just, that's not necessarily helpful. As we've talked a lot about before, it's not helpful to think that you can't handle it. It's not helpful to think that it's wrong to feel this way. And one thing that I always think to myself that when I think I can't do something, something hard, like when I first when my mom first told me, she called me on the phone telling, could they just come from the vet? And the vet said that she had kidney failure, liver disease, and she had type 2 diabetes, and the treatment was just slim to none that is actually going to work. Yeah. And the first initial thought is that I'm not going to be able to handle the thought of her not being there. I can't handle this. 
and then I kind of thought to myself of what I've thought to myself before in situations is that there's no such thing as not being able to handle things as a human. You're always going to live through things. That's always, that's the brain trying to say you're going to die because of this. Yeah. It's a matter of not wanting to or not wanting to put in the effort to, mm. if that makes sense. Because there's no such thing as not being able to do a certain thing when it comes to handling our emotions. It's a matter of if you want to or if you're going to. And so it may feel like you can't handle it or you're not handling it. It's probably because you're not putting in the effort. Mm. That's kind of my two cents on that one. Yeah, but. I love that. And there's a word called anti-fragility. If you think of someone who's fragile, you know, they have like an outside experience or a stimulus that made them weak and they become fragile. And the opposite of that, I forget who coined the word, so I'm sorry, is anti-fragility, where when you have an outside stimulus or an experience, instead of it making you fragile, it makes you stronger. So anti-fragile type thing, which is cool. Yeah, I like that. And you can use these different stages, or not stages, but these different, um, I don't want to say it, different things, uh, different tools during grief. Yeah, tools, um, to applications. Be, yeah, to be anti-fragile. When you go through grief, you can come through the other end a stronger and better human being rather than fragile, weak, and I guess more prone to going through these things in an unhealthy way. Yeah. And so I'm obviously not saying if you're going through grief and you struggle with uh, you know, ha not having positive thoughts or not yeah. going through it in a very healthy way. I'm not saying you're a weak person. I'm just, just saying that these, you can use these things to become anti-fragile, to use them to your advantage. When you do go through grief in a healthy way, it will be for your advantage. Yeah. And I think along with that, um, quoting the great Jordan Peterson, we haven't quoted him in a long time. Great man. Uh, he has a great lecture that I've watched probably a million times up to this point. No, just kidding. It's probably like 30 or 40, which is still a lot. But he talks about how when you take on the responsibility or the burden of life and you do things that you need to do to be resilient and responsible and um, like, like I don't know, what's the word? Uh, like you have a backbone. I don't know what the word is mm. for that. Like when you're, when you're resilient, resilient yeah. you can be the person that people can come to. Because if you really lost someone, let's say, I don't know, you lose a, let's say you're pretty long, young and you lose a parent or you lose a sibling or something like that, you, you lose your spouse. Um, Jordan Peterson says in, in a great lecture, and maybe I'll, maybe we could um, throw that in the show notes, but he talks yeah, about how um, you don't want to be the person cowering in the corner being a burden on other people. You want to be the person that people can come to through this hard time, and that not only is going to help them, but it's going to help you through the stages of grief. It's going to help you through the burden of life. And he's talks a little bit, just a tidbit about grief and, and death, but it's more specifically just about the overall responsibility of life. And when you take on responsibility and you stop avoiding things and you tell yourself that you are resilient and you can do things, you are the person that people can come to. And people are going to need to come to you and you're going to need to go to other people and you're going to hope that they're just as resilient as you are. Hmm. So you can't respect other people to be resilient when you aren't. So you have to be at least a little resilient so someone can come to you. That's just the, the like give and take, the symbiotic relationships we need to have with the people in our lives. So when you That's can cool. apply these things, like when you can take on the responsibility and not just be drowning in the wave of grief, you can stand up with your shoulders back, as Jordan Peterson says so often, 
and take on the responsibility of whatever is facing you. And these are, I think these seven things are just a great way to do that. You can so, ride that wave, man. That's how you surf the wave. Yeah. yeah. These seven things are the, how you surf the wave. And number three, the third thing you can do is to be gentle with yourself. Another great quote from the article says to carve out time for naps, eating nourishing foods, and drink plenty of water. Alcohol and sugar may seem like quick fixes, but they can eventually have the opposite effect. And so there's not much to say about that, but I love the the term coined by Tony Overbay, our our fanboy, was a person we fanboy <laughs> over all the time. He says it's not self care is not selfish. Yeah. And that's something that goes through my mind all the time when I think to myself, I want to go fishing or I want to watch a YouTube video in between homework assignments. And specifically after my dog got put down, I just had the thought that I needed to do homework. I needed to bust out all these things for work and I can't take any time for myself. But then me and my wife, we got a pack of Oreos and we each ate like a row ourselves. And yeah. uh, because she had a hard, just as hard time as I did um, losing little Lucy and that was our self-care. It was we just sat down, we talked, and we watched a movie. We ate some Oreos, and we just took time for ourselves. And we um, we just took time to allow ourselves to feel that. And that is not super healthy self-care. Maybe it I mean, if you did that every day, it wouldn't be healthy. Yeah, it I was mean, a... You know, you don't do that every day. It was like an hour-long thing, two hours, where we just sat down yeah. and watched a, watched a show on Netflix. And yeah. allowed ourselves to feel a little bit of pain for a while, and... It was great. It helped a lot. And ever since then, I feel better. And so I think the the reason that people aren't gentle with themselves a lot of the time when it comes to grief is because they feel guilt for some mm-hmm. reason or another. And I kind of felt that way about losing my parent, my family dog because I feel guilty that maybe I could have done more to, I could have taken her more on walks so she'd be more healthy and didn't develop diabetes. And I felt that I needed to do more and not do that in the future when I have a dog. And I got really guilty, but... Um, it's never really just your fault in any situation. Maybe it's a little bit your fault, but when you're gentle and care, take care of yourself, you'll remind yourself that you're not as bad as you think that you are. Yeah. Ever. <laughs> yeah. And being gentle also includes being patient. Learn to be patient with yourself. Cause even if you do, uh, you know, fall into some negative cycles like guilt and stay and mm-hmm. things like that, that's normal. That's okay. It's not a bad thing. It becomes an issue, a problem, unhelpful, when you stay in those negative cycles for a, a prolonged period of time. Yeah. But if you're if you go through it and you're you guilt tripping yourself and all that, you can catch yourself and say, Okay, you know, I I I'm feeling this way and be gentle and patient with yourself and say, It's okay. Like and even allow yourself to feel guilt for just a second. Mm-hmm. Okay. Make space for that feeling acknowledge it say okay i see you guilt mm-hmm. you know it's there make space for it and continue to to move on it's a it's a process really and you just got to keep um making steps forward and we'll talk about this too in this next one actually that we'll just go to number four is to think in cycles not lines so here's a quote from the article if you reach a point where you're feeling good only to feel bad again it's not a sign that you've relapsed or gotten worse. It's how grief works. And it actually, it's actually a forward movement. People will say, I was walking down the street and all of a sudden I started to cry. And yet, I've been feeling calm. Uh, says that. <laughs> says MSK. Bereavement. Bereavement? Bereavement. Bereavement yeah. counselor. Basically grief counselor. Yeah. yeah, cool. 
Susan Glaser. I try to reframe that. Grief is a series of loops. You can circle back to where you were some time ago. And Austin had a great way to that he wanted to describe it. Yeah, so it's kind of like if you think about... We think of like healing mentally with anything. Really, we like to yeah. think of it as linear. Just like mm. a, I'm taking math right now in school, so we learn all about stupid graphs. God and bless you. People like to think about their healing as like a linear. I don't know, like a linear chart where it's y equals mx plus b. Like it's just it's <laughs> the same. It's the same slope yeah. you're going for. You're never going to return back. You have to be always going forward. But mm. it's really more like a spring or a spiral. Yeah, you're constantly moving up, spiraling up. It's very slow, it's very circular, it's very cyclical, and you could, you'll be higher in altitude on the spring or the spiral, but you could be in the same type of, I don't know how to say it, you're in the similar place, feeling the same things as you did a year ago, but that's just because that's the cycle, that's the spiral going upwards, you're feeling the same things, but you're in a better place. You're returning to that feeling even though you are really far along in your journey, like it says in the article, just because you're you're feeling a feeling that you felt a year ago, you're crying the same way you cried two years ago about your uncle dying or your dad dying, that doesn't mean you're not healing. That just means that you're maybe back to a, a certain point on the spiral, but just higher up on the spiral. I don't know if that makes sense. I'm like making hand signals with my hands and stuff. <laughs> um, no, but it could be like, um, so if you think of a graph, there's the y-axis, which is the vertical line, and the x-axis, which is the horizontal line. You can be higher on the y-axis, but same in the same spot on the x-axis. That's a really good way to put you know it, actually. Saying? Yeah, that's perfect. And so just because you go back to that point on the x-axis doesn't mean you're not, you haven't progressed. But you've it, still gone up on that y-axis. Your slope is still upward. You're still yeah. making that forward motion. But yeah, I like that. For you all you, you math wizards out there, you know what I'm saying. That's good. I like that a lot. Yeah. And like Austin said, that's the way that anything is with life. Like if we look at, for example, this podcast, if we look at our weekly statistics, we could see maybe a downward trend for that week. We're like, oh man, we're going down. Like we're, we're in the dumps. Mm -hmm. I mean, we're not too far from the dumps in the first place, but we're back in the dumps. <laughs> yeah. But then we look at our all time and there's a gradual climb we're climbing and so if you just take a step back and look at things really in a bigger picture you can see that you're not the same person that you were when you first started this grief process or like the podcast even if statistically we had we weren't doing as great uh, with views or listens that week you know does that mm. make sense and so when yeah. you pull back go to the all-time views we can see that we're still we're going up even though we have downs and ups downs and ups but we're still gradually yeah moving up it's like anyone if you're into cryptocurrency or stocks like you're gonna see week over week year over year dips and mountains yeah. and if you pull your money out on a, on a dip you're still and that dip is still higher than the year goes mountain if that makes sense yeah. the overall trend line is what's important as long as your trend line is in a positive motion that's all that really matters yeah because healing is in a cycle it's not just a linear mx plus b equation it's all over the place it's a scatter plot with a trend line that kind of goes through the middle to show that you're moving upwards. And a lot of the time it is exponential too. Like you get way better. Like it's really slow at first and then it really kicks off. For some people it's way more linear, really slow. Just depends. So don't think you have to be healing a certain way. And if, yeah. you're, if you feel a certain Everyone's thing. Everyone's different. Exactly. <clears throat> Excuse me. 
Going on to number five here, your feelings are normal. And we've chimed on this a bunch of times. Huge. Huge thing, yeah. And we've talked about this multiple times already in the podcast, but we're going to read a great quote from the article that says, the pain of grief itself is hard enough to tolerate, says Mrs. Knowles, just one of the contributors to the article. What can make it more challenging is when you when you or other people around you tell you what you should or shouldn't do. I'm going to add in should or shouldn't feel. Mm. Allow yourself to feel whatever it is that you feel. Anger, sadness, even relief. The emotions that accompany grief are all valid. Everyone comes to their loss experience with their own story, their own unique context and meaning. Whatever they're feeling at a given moment, it always makes sense. And that kind of goes back to what we've talked a lot about, the uniqueness of individuals and their healing process. And some people might feel denial a lot in their DABDA healing journey. They might feel a lot of anger or depression. Whatever you're feeling, you need to allow that feeling to stay and kind of be there. Um, Russ Harris, we've talked about him a lot in the past few episodes specifically, but in regards to emotions and feelings, he says that we need to make room for our feelings so they can come, stay, and then go on their own time. Because as soon as we start struggling with them, we try to get rid of them or kick them out of the house, that's when they come back with a vengeance. They come back with a, a vendetta because it's our brain sending us a message that you feel a certain way that something happened. Because when we, when we push it away, it's like we're pushing away our true selves the true things that are happening in our lives. So your feelings are normal, they're valid, and they're healthy. And you should allow them to get to stay the amount of time that they that they want to stay. Yeah, and this is going to be important right here for people who you're not necessarily going through grief, but someone else is, like someone you know. Mm. You, This is going to be a good should. I'm going to should on you. But you should never say, you should get over that feeling. Why are you feeling that now? Like, why are you feeling that again? It's been five years since your dad passed away. Why are yeah. you feeling like that? Why are you sad about it now? What's going on? We've talked about this a million times. It's just a dog. Why are you feeling that way? Yeah. 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 That's something that is not helpful. It's really not. And if someone has told that to you when you're going through grief, you know that it just makes you angry, bitter, and it could even increase those feelings of, you know what? You tell me I shouldn't be feeling this way. I'm going to feel this way even more. Mm-hmm. And... So if someone you know is going through grief, please don't say something like that. And remember, at the end of that quote, uh, whatever they're feeling at a given moment, it always makes sense. It might not make sense to you or even them, but there is a reason for it. And if you dig for it and kind of find out why, you'll see that, okay, I can see why you're feeling this way now. It actually makes a lot of sense. And when you look at it from that perspective, you can see how when you say, you shouldn't be feeling this way is really not helpful yeah. at all. It can be harmful, very hurtful. We've, we've quoted Thumper before from Bambi that if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say it at all. But I think we've said this before. If you don't have anything helpful to say, don't say it at all. Because yeah. even if it's true, that doesn't matter. There's plenty of true things that could be said to anybody at any given time. Is it helpful and is it workable? If not, shut your mouth. <laughs> like Especially yeah. when it comes to grief. Keep the helpful things coming because... If it's helpful, that's going to help them heal. It's going to help you heal. Focus on the helpful things. And if you don't know what to say in that moment, just be there. Exactly. You don't, you don't have to True say empathy. anything. Yeah. Yeah. You don't have to say anything. Just be there. Give them a hug. Hold their hand or do whatever. Comfort them. You don't always have to say anything or try and fix it or say things like, why? Why are you feeling this way? Because it doesn't matter. 
the fact is that they are experiencing those emotions and that's reality and asking you know why are you feeling that way is can feel like a slap in the face exactly and yeah. so just just be there for them and i know it, mm-hmm. can, it can be a hard thing to just not say anything because i think a lot of our natural inc- inclinations like especially me i like to try and fix it you know like oh i'm gonna i'm gonna fix your issues right here right yep. now the therapy you know? brain yeah. therapy brain but that's not helpful really yeah in the short term maybe but in the long run it's a lot more helpful and healthier to just let those emotions be don't fix it because healing will come on its own you don't want to try and rush this process it all happens naturally yeah and the, like one thought that i had is that for me when i try to like fix things it's kind of like a narcissistic trait because i want it to i don't want to feel uncomfortable because of how the person is feeling right like if the person is feeling depressed or sad and it's making me feel uncomfortable i want to fix it so they're not sad anymore i don't know if anyone else mm. has that issue that's an issue that i run into a lot is that i want to fix their problems in that moment so i there i no longer feel uncomfortable because of how they're displaying their emotions hmm. i think yeah. that might be the case for some people i know it's the case yeah. for me sometimes that i try to go into fix it mode so i don't feel uncomfortable other times it's straight up therapy brain and i think i can and I want to, and I want to practice the skills that I have, and yeah. I want to help the person genuinely help them. But maybe be mindful of why you're trying to help. If you're doing it so you don't, so they're not a burden on you anymore, or that they're not making you uncomfortable anymore, maybe it's best to shut your mouth and just be there, hold their hand, give them a hug, take them to dinner, and just sit with them. Yeah. Because if you say the wrong thing or say an unhelpful thing, I should say, that's not very helpful. That's as simple it as that. It could make so, it worse. Exactly. But remember. If, even if you do say something, like I do all the time, uh, be patient with yourself. Be gentle with yourself as well as you're dealing with, not dealing with, that's kind of a, I don't like that word, dealing with people with grief. Mm-hmm. As you're with people that are dealing with grief, be patient with yourself and your feelings because it can be uncomfortable. It can, totally. The way yeah. people express their emotions and it can it can make you feel really uncomfortable. But realize that those feelings are normal as well. I think these steps mm. can go both ways. Yeah. Those feelings of feeling uncomfortable is normal. And if not everyone is going to feel uncomfortable as well. So realize that everyone kind of feels uncomfortable. If someone just starts to break out and starts to cry mm. for no reason, everyone would be kind of uncomfortable. But put on your big boy pants, your big girl <laughs> pants, and go over to that person and help them. You know, one of the... Uh, the word compassion, I forget which two words they come from. I believe they're Greek. But it just means to suffer together. That's what compassion means. And so if you think about that, if you have compassion with people, you are suffering together. Mm. And even though you may not feel those same emotions they are, you can still feel uncomfortable or you can put yourself in their shoes to start to feel even more uncomfortable, to literally suffer together. And that's what compassion is. It's not trying to fix it. Mm. It's suffering together. Yeah, I love that. Okay, number six here is grief can beget meaning. Some of you may be saying, what does the word beget mean? It simply means to create. Or the the dictionary... Uh, yeah, look it up. Look it up. <laughs> it's a funny, it's a funny definition. B-E-G-E-T, yeah. beget. Anyways... So grief can create meaning. So the quote here from the article, there's no getting over losing someone you loved, 
like we've said before. Grief is a natural response to loving someone. Though we all have past experiences that may influence how we see ourselves, grief provides an opportunity to reflect on what matters most to us. I really like that. Because I'm sure a lot of you have had the experience where you're at a funeral and you start to see how privileged you are to be where you are in life. Mm-hmm. And that can be a part of grief to realize that, okay, this person's gone and you can take that time to reflect on like the fragility of life, you know, about how fast it can be taken away and how many, how fast things can change. And so it'll give you an opportunity to be mindful of the present moment and to be mindful of every moment. And that can come from grief. I couldn't agree more. And to think about like the more you suffer means the bigger the connection you had. Like yeah. take, if that, if anything that you could take away from this episode, that if you find yourself suffering a lot over the grief of a loved one or grieving over someone that you loved, at the very least you can take away from it that you truly cared about and loved someone. That yeah. it's a, it's a sign that you're human and that you attached yourself to someone and they meant a lot to you. And that's kind of how I took it with the family dog that we lost a couple of weeks ago that, um, I was able to use my unique human skills that only humans have really to connect with another living being and to have that amazing experience of connecting with them and then use that to open up all those amazing memories and open up the healing process of grief. And that's really the first step is to recognize that grief is the exact equate the exact, um, what's the word, um, solution or antidote antidote. It's the, what's the, I can't really think of the word. It's the outcome. Hmm. It's what happens as a result of true and genuine connection. Mm. Cause if you're not grieving, that means you didn't actually connect with them or they yeah. really didn't matter with you matter to you. And so if you're grieving, that's a sign that you truly loved that person or that animal or that thing. And so it's, it's not going to fix you. It's not going to make you feel much better, but for me, it gives me hope. And like it says here, it beget, it can be <laughs> beget, beget meaning in my life that yeah. I connected to someone. So it's a really special thing that humans can do. That's cool. I so, love that. It's a good way to look at grief. Yeah. It's normal. It's the, and it's, it is the outcome of love. I mm-hmm. mean, that's what you, that's what you're signing yourself up for when you love someone. And when yep. you attach yourself to someone, something, you're signing yourself up for grief. Yeah. Because nothing is permanent. The only permanent thing in life is change. And so you're setting yourself up for grief and that's just a natural point of uh, life it's normal yeah like you, it's okay it's there's no love without grief I like how you brought that yeah. up there's no grief without love and there's no love without grief there's no pain without love um, and love is a very powerful emotion that humans can feel compared to the animals other animals don't really other other species i guess don't experience yeah. love like we do so it's something we can really be grateful for yeah the higher your love the lower your grief will be then the deeper the cavern whole whatever it feels like you're in in grief if you love someone to the moon and back you're going to have grief to the moon and back exactly that's a really good quote right there sun and back you know it could be whatever yeah but yeah with every high there's always a low that's just as what big it's physics yeah every action (laughs) is that newton's third law or something yeah one of newton's laws every action has an equal and opposite reaction yep that exactly there's gonna there's always gonna be a something opposite of what you're feeling is a direct opposition. So 
take it as meaning, take it as a, yeah. as a sign that you're human and that you felt something, which is an amazing thing. Yeah. And then just going on to the last thing, the number seven, you are not alone. And we added in, um, we added in, you're not alone and don't try to do it alone. I think a lot of the times, at least what I've, when I've grieved over family members before, um, I've isolated a lot and kind yeah. of held in my feelings, bottled it up because I've always been the mediator, the problem solver. It's kind of like yeah. the role I took on as a, as a kid. Hmm. It's just kind of what I just ended up doing a lot, like a lot of middle children, I guess. And, um, I tend to do things alone. And for me, that's really dangerous and really harmful. And that's the case for anybody that does it. Because when we try to do it alone, we are fighting against what we we're fighting against the natural equation, the natural flow of things when it comes to the grieving process. It needs to be yeah. done in concert with other people. Yep. Otherwise it's not going to be Johnson. true. Exactly. Yeah. True grieving needs to be done with the other people that are grieving in the situation. Otherwise it's, you're not going to heal properly and you're not going to be able to experience the, the experience of grief because as hard as it is, grief is a special experience to have like we were just talking mm. about and you can't truly go through that if you're not grieving with other people. That's why support groups are so important and family members and friends are so important when it comes to healing because it works and it's important. It's powerful. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. Don't try and do it alone. And I know we can, like especially me, I, I feel like I want to do it alone. You know? I think yeah, for that's... some people it's a natural inclination to like, oh, I need to go do it by myself. Like I need to, yeah. Or you have that... I don't even know where this came from, where people say, you go, um, go solve your problems, then come back to me, you know, or go mm. deal with your crap and then come back. I don't, I don't know where that stemmed from because as natural human beings that we've talked about before is we are meant to deal with our emotions, our issues, everything with other human beings. With we've this, always lived in tribes. Yeah, yeah. We are social creatures. We're not meant to do these things on our own. And so somehow into our society, it's, I think it's more of like here in the U.S. especially the Western culture with the individual individualistic yeah absolutely style of cultures is probably where it stems from yeah where you need to do things on your own go get that job on your own go um, especially built... for like for men yeah you need yeah. to be the the breadwinner you know go do that on mm -hmm. your own don't have your wife help you or whatever it is and in different cultures like I would argue in Eastern cultures I'd imagine that they would say you know they are more um, collectivist collectivist yeah as a they do things as a community as a family as a group and not just so individualistic and so just I know it may seem to go against everything you've learned in your life to like cry in front of someone to grieve with other people but that's how it's supposed to be it's not so you're not supposed to do this alone and if you are going through grief right now and you're doing it alone, we would urge you to tell someone. Go grieve with someone. And I promise it'll help you feel better. It may, be feel, may, may feel kind of awkward, may feel a little weird. But in the long run, that is how proper healing is supposed to be. I mean, no wonder why therapy is so helpful. You're dealing with your emotions in concert with another human being. Mm -hmm. Obviously, that's not the only reason why. But there is a reason why therapy is so great, because you're with another person that's just willing to listen. Yep. You know? Yeah. Not necessarily to jump in and fix your problems. They're just there to listen, to be there for you. 
and to guide you, facilitate your grief in a way. Yeah. And it's cool. And they grieve with you. But you don't obviously don't have to find a therapist to do that. You can do it with really anyone. Yeah. Like I so. I would hope that everyone has someone at least one human being that they can turn to. Yeah. In a in a state of grief and if you you have a hard time like conversating like back and forth with people about your issues, maybe do it over text and maybe text the person that yeah. you are going to reach out to and say, "Hey, I'm going to send you a really long text." That it's everything I'm feeling right now. I just need to tell someone. Please don't. You don't even need to respond. Or you could say, please don't respond. I just need someone else to know. Yeah. And you could just text out however long that message is. It could be 12 scrolls. Doesn't matter how big it is. Um, type out what you're feeling. You, if it's an email, whatever it is. And just send it to someone that you care about. And that you know will appreciate you reaching out to them. Hmm. Yeah. And that way you're dealing with it in concert with another person. Yeah. It's not just you who knows about what you're struggling with. That's again the beauty about of, of doing it with other people in concert, like grieving and going through issues with other people is that mentally, psychologically, you don't you no longer feel alone because someone knows exactly how you're feeling. Yeah. And even just that for me, that's what helps me is knowing that for me it's my wife I go to, obviously. And I tell her exactly how I'm feeling. And even just the act of telling her and that there's another human who knows how I'm struggling, maybe not perfectly because she doesn't know right. what exactly I feel, but that helps me. And so maybe take that and do that. If you have a hard time conversating or talking, just reach out to someone and you could explicitly tell them, please don't respond. I just need to tell someone because th that I could promise you based off anecdotal evidence in my own life, it will help and it'll help a lot. Yeah. So I hope you learned something new in this episode and remember you're going to be okay. In the moment, it feels like your brain can tell you like you're, you're going to die. These feelings are so uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. It's terrible. Like, get me out of here. But you're going to be okay. The wave isn't going to last forever. And hopefully with what we've talked about here, you'll be able to surf the wave, ride the wave a bit better. But it's when you try and fight the wave is when it starts to get troublesome and really hard. Mm -hmm. So You start drowning. Yeah. So hopefully you've been able to learn some different tools, some different ways to surf and ride the wave. And we appreciate all of you who have gotten this far on the episode, of course. As always, you guys are the OGs. And remember, we do have an Instagram. You can go follow us there on What About Therapy. You can reach out to us there. And on, like, if you want to talk about different episode topics, or, like whatever you want us to talk about, you can reach out to us. Let us know if you want to be a guest on the on the podcast and talk about anything under the therapy umbrella, which is, I mean, you could probably relate therapy to anything. So, hey, if you want to, if you want to come on the podcast, <laughs> let's do reach, it. <laughs> reach out to us. Yeah. Yeah. We're not desperate or anything for content, but we sure do love oh, yeah. we have stuff like that come up. Yeah. Just so. different perspectives to see. And mm -hmm. you don't have to be a therapy student. Just come on. Let's talk about stuff. Nope. Yeah. Yep, let's do it. But anyway, taking us out as always is the great one and only talented, stupendous Danny D. Thanks guys. What about, what about therapy? What about, what about therapy? What about, what about therapy? Yeah. What about, what about therapy? 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 
about, what about therapy? What about, what about therapy? Yeah.